and welcome to another episode of Con42Cast, the tech podcast from a neighboring galaxy. My name is Miko Palikowski, and today I have for you not one, but two co-founders of Cube First for the price of one, John Dietz and Jared Edwards. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us on today. Very well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So, you know, you've been uh, prepped. Uh, the weird question for you to start is... What orchestration platform would you use to run a spaceship and why Kubernetes? <laughs> and why Kubernetes, exactly. No, we, uh, it, it would absolutely have to be Kubernetes. It would be, it would be insane to pick. Not. Yeah, I, on a spaceship, no less. Can you imagine uh, being on your way to, to Mars uh, and... Uh, and 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 you suddenly have some unexpected problem, and all you have is Ansible and some virtual machines. It'd be terrible. <laughs> that would be a stuff of nightmares. <laughs> I do wonder what SpaceX run their stuff. Like I, I suspect it's a bit lower level, but yeah, I think I agree. Like uh, you know, not that long ago, you got away with something with processing power of a dumb phone, but today would definitely be Kubernetes. Okay, so you yeah. passed the first one, so I guess we'll continue this. What's the was the second one? What do Kubernetes and space, space travel have in common? What a Kubernetes so so one thing Kubernetes has in common with space travel for sure is uh, how it was set up for fault and and being tolerant of bumps that happen. And I, I've only watched a handful of sci-fi movies, but if you're going into outer space, there's going to be some some bumps in the road and. Uh, and systems are going to go down on you. And when they do, it'd be nice to be really fault tolerant, highly available, have some redundancy built in, maybe have a, a, a spare node group laying around tied to that master, maybe have a, an AB master that was uh, ready to go, uh, just, just warm and waiting in the helm. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I thought they were silly questions when I first read them, but um, I, I, I think that, I think he got something going. I think we should hit Musk up because, uh, Kubernetes is definitely the way to run your, your, your navigation to Mars for sure. I mean, it would definitely make for a nice KubeCon talk, right? Uh, maybe even. Indeed it would. Okay. That is fair enough. Um, so I don't usually get both co-founders, so, you know, I'm a bit spoiled for choice today. Uh, so I guess the first question really to, to start with you guys is like, you know, how did you meet? Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess I can, I can take that one. Take it away. Dave. So uh, John and I met about back in 2017. Uh, it was like mid to late 2017 at our first Kubernetes project. Um, I was actually a front end developer uh, and John was uh, one of the two people running the cloud team at the time. And uh, after working with him on a project, he pulled me over to the cloud team and I never had to write front end code again. So all was good. <laughs> well, he saved you. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, a, yeah, that, that, that's the short version. Uh, we were, we blew on a little more about the, the company. We were just, we were at a big data real estate company and they had a ton of needs and the CTO basically uh, ordered us to build a platform, uh, mostly using all Kubernetes for everything. So that's what we did. We had to build in the application management, had to build in the secrets management, you know, the CICD, everything, uh, all in Kubernetes. And uh, we, we just were impressed with how well it all came together after a, a long fight of arm wrestling and picking the wrong tools and then picking the right tools and, you know, finding the patterns we liked. But in the end, it all worked out really well for us. So, Okay. And then you liked working so much together that you went on a new venture. Yeah. I yeah. mean, as soon as so, I saw this guy work at all, there was no way he was going to be a front-end engineer. Zippy chance. <laughs> um, so, so we pulled him onto the infrastructure team, and we, we like like Jerry was saying, we built this platform out. Um, and the the origin of Coop first, we were on a train on our way to Datadog Dash. Um, we were just kind of reflecting on this platform that we had spent the last year building, and we were like, you know. I've been in DevOps forever. I've been like in DevOps since before DevOps was even a word back when de developers had to work with operations teams. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and running a platform on Kubernetes was just clearly different and uh, it was a tough adoption. Uh, and 
we were basically just like, how do we make it so that it's no longer a tough adoption? How do we take that year of work that we just did and productize it so that it's immediately available? Um, and the train ride home, we bought the domain and uh, <laughs> started working nights and weekends for like years. For for multiple years, we were working on this project for nights and weekends. We got it to a point where we could pilot it at uh, an enterprise. We, it, was, it was all closed source. Um, and we thought we were going to just like go shop to shop and just, you know, do Kubernetes installs, uh, uh, Kubernetes platform installs for companies. Um, and, uh, it turned out to be a little bit more complicated than that. Um, and, uh, long story short, we ended up, uh, deciding that we were going to open source and, um, I added ourselves to the CNCF and, tried raising capital. And through that process, we ended up getting acquired by our, our parent uh, company, Coop Shop. Um, and now we've been building a team around it and trying to see the rest of our vision through for the last year. That's a sweet story. Like I, I wish every domain that I bought on my way home from somewhere on the train was actually turning into a project that worked. <laughs> I would have like a, a couple dozen of them by, by now. Right. So let's try to like establish some timeline. So if I, you know, if my memory is not failing me, uh, first time I started doubling Kubernetes was version 1.2. So that would have been like what, 2015, 2000, mm-hmm. late 2015, something yep. like that, right? And back then, if I remember correctly, um, well, at least for me, it was just a bunch of binaries that I downloaded from GitHub. And I tried to set up some automation to actually put all of this together and discover the next layer and the next problem when it blew up and understand how it all fit together. I remember various other weird attempts. Uh, You know, everybody was basically in the same boat, right? And that's roughly where... You guys started with Cube first too. That's the, was it 2017 set, 2018? It was, yeah, uh, late, it, well, I guess, I don't know, John, I don't remember how many months before you were at the shop before I showed up, but uh, for me, it was October, 2017 when I joined. So it was right around that time, but I, I believe, um, John, you should probably field this one, but uh, started out on uh, an early version of GKE. Uh, right. But yep. then ended up migrating to cops that ran in a, the AWS cloud instead. So yeah, exactly right. <clears throat> yeah, the 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 early days of Kubernetes was a a dark and scary place. You, you, that was back when Kubernetes was the hard part, right? Um, where like actually getting the the master control plane and the nodes to attach and managing it as infrastructure as code that was that was quite a, a daunting challenge back then. Um, and, you know, I, I, I had come from a company where, like, I, I was literally advocating against Kubernetes uh, at USA Today. Um, uh, the, the platform team at USA Today wanted to adopt Kubernetes. Um, we had just migrated to the cloud uh, and um, from on-premise uh, infrastructure that they had. Um, really complex story, you know, microservices just from all angles. Uh, and just as soon as we had settled and finished the cloud adoption, now we're talking Kubernetes. And, you know, honestly, it seemed like just another, I had seen all these buzzwords 15 times before. It sounded the same. Um, it sounded like it was just another, you know, sexy, trendy uh, buzzword that, um, you know, uh, engineers that want to be early adopters would adopt and think was super cool was how it felt. Um, and, you know, I advocated against it for about one month. Um, and then I got pulled into this other project. Uh, and the, the, <laughs> the, the, the mandate was Kubernetes or bust. Like there, there was going to be no infrastructure that wasn't running on Kubernetes, period. So get loving it or get out, right? <laughs> so um, we, we had to learn it the hard way. We had to read a bunch of blogs that were just full of lies and uh, try to find our way through the dark, um, you know, like like you're kind of describing. You're, you're just kind of, you know, putting raw pieces together as best you can and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And it takes a long time. Nowadays, that part's actually quite a bit easier, but uh, the cloud native part must be four times harder. There are so many more products that are available, that are adequate, that are ready to run on Kubernetes, that 
that now you have like analysis paralysis on which stack you want to build. Um, and so that's kind of the, um, the, the, the solution that we're trying to provide to the world is not to give an opinionated Kubernetes stack that you're stuck with forever. You know, we're not trying to wrap any of these excellent open source tools that are on the platform. We're just trying to enable fast adoption of them in a way where like, you know, once you have this platform, if you don't like Argo workflows for CI, great, don't use it. Um, add Jenkins to it, add, you know, Tecton to it, add whatever you want to it. Um, and, and, Establishing that GitOps paradigm to provide the extensibility and to provide the disaster recovery that you need, um, we think is going to be a really solid motion moving forward. So, um, so yeah, uh, you used to argue against Kubernetes if you can believe it or not. Now I eat it for breakfast. It's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, not that long ago that wasn't uh, a given, and it's changed dramatically. But we don't actually define what is cube first. What does it actually do, and what's like the unique value proposition? Definitely. So, um, basically, uh, Jared, do you want to field this one? No, go for it. You're started. Right on. Um, yeah. So basically, um, cube first is trying to establish an instant, um, fully operational, fully automated, GitOps oriented, open source application delivery and infrastructure management platform for anyone. Um, it's all free. It's all open source. It only uses free open source tools. Um, and it's put together and fully automated in a way where you can run your enterprise software development ecosystem in 30 minutes. You just run a single command against your empty cloud that has nothing but one domain in it. And we'll attach to the domain, we'll build out, and we run in different clouds. Um, in the AWS cloud, as an example, um, you know, we lay down the VPC, we lay down the subnets, we build the EKS cluster, we establish the bucket for your infrastructure's code state store, we bootstrap that uh, Kubernetes cluster against a Git repository called GitOps that we give to you that you host in your own GitHub or your own GitLab. So this Git repository that's powering all the infrastructure's code, that's powering all of the Argo CD configurations for your GitOps application delivery is all hosted by you in your Git repository. So you run a command against your cloud. It creates this whole ecosystem, including a management Kubernetes cluster that has HashiCorp Vault, that has all of your platform secrets in it, it establishes a uh, user um, IDP and identity provider that's powered by HashiCorp Vault. Um, we establish an OIDC provider with clients for every single one of the platform tools so that you have immediate single sign-on for logging into Argo CD, logging into Argo workflows, logging into your Git provider, whatever it might be. We do team management, um, separation of... Uh, administrators from your engineering groups. We start you out of the box with a good RBAC story so that you at least don't have to start by giving your admin keys to your development group. Um, the tricky part with Coop first is trying to find that line where we stop and our adopters begin their Kubernetes journey, but they can begin their Kubernetes journey on a foundation that includes automated infrastructure as code and GitOps application delivery and secrets management and a powerful secrets engine and user management in a equally good um, uh, user ecosystem, all powered by Terraform, all powered by GitOps. Um, and uh, in, in AWS, it's 30 minutes. And in, in the SIBO cloud, it's like, it's like seven minutes to have basically a company on wheels for free. So um, we think that it's going to bring a lot of power to the uh, to the to the cloud native ecosystem, and we even have a local uh, version of the platform that you can install to your laptop. Um, it, it's powered by K3D as the the Kubernetes uh, engine, um, but the same platform, including automated IAC um, and like. Uh, application delivery, we do container builds, we do Helm publishes, we do GitOps pipelines that deliver to a dev stage prod environment, and you can have it all running on your laptop 
also in just like five minutes. So um, we basically packaged all of these great open source tools, um, put them to- together in a way where it's all uh, automated from minute one. And then um, our hope is that folks will use this platform as a foundation for their platform engineering operations so that when they're trying to build their self-service portals for their development teams and trying to deliver their applications to a dev stage prod environment, they can leverage all the tools that we build as that foundation and have a, a local ecosystem that matches an AWS ecosystem that matches a SIVO cloud ecosystem or wherever it is that they need uh, Kubernetes uh, platform, they'll be able to lift and shift their platform anywhere. Um, so it's it's a, it's a pretty cool story. It's it's a little ambitious, um, but we think we're up for the challenge. Definitely sounds so. So I think my first question uh, from all you said is um, you kind of have to draw the line how opinionated you are. And, you know, you name dropped a few things where perhaps there is fewer alternatives like, I don't know, Terraform. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other side of the spectrum, it can be kind of, you know, uh, flexible to the point where this paralysis analysis that you mentioned is actually creeping back in. What's the goal? Like, are you trying to be prescriptive or are you trying to be, you know, as open as possible? Uh, I, I think the my answer to that one is, is uh, as open as possible. Uh, we we don't want we we know that we're never going to be able to build a platform that suits everybody's needs. Like it's just not going to happen. Uh, everybody has different opinions, and everybody likes different tools. Some people are married to their tools in a way that they'll just not shift. Um, but we do see that there is a commonality across um, companies, people we have conversations with, um, you know, there is a subset of the CNCF landscape that we've noticed become uh, top choices. Now, sometimes those top choices are uh, hard to configure or hard, hard for teams to adopt for reasons, you know, there are lots of reasons, doesn't matter. But um, what all we're trying to do is give you that starting point where everything works on minute seven, minute 30, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, so start there and have you can drop your applications on into the platform. There's a, a pattern to follow with a sample application that we deliver for you. Shows how you get an ingress in front of your application. Shows how you pull secrets out of HashiCorp Vault in your, a Kubernetes native way. Um, shows how you can have tight integrations with your CI and how it can have a uh, smaller blast radius of like access per container um, it, to a secret in Vault. Like all of these things that just take time to discover and establish and actually get working in a way where it wasn't an, an exploration, a spike day or an engineering day where, you know, you got a tool working and then uh, you had to repeat it the next day. Cause like, that's the hard part is being able to go back through, repeat that process, make sure that you can then take that and explain it to your teams. Make sure and at that point, you're usually making some kind of architecture decision where you've got, you know, four team members and three of them agree and one of them doesn't. So you're going back to work to go figure out how you can convince that fourth person that this is the right choice. And like, we're just trying to eliminate a lot of those upfront choices to be able to get people going. And from there, like John mentioned, it's because we deliver that GitOps repo to you, you can pull request away whatever you don't want in your Kubernetes cluster and pull request right back on uh, anything that you do want. So uh, that's the best I can answer it, John. I'll, I'll let you add anything else to that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're um, really spot on. The, the The detail I don't want to get missed, though, is that like um, there there is a need uh, to provide that immediate value for the business. Like businesses don't take adoption of Kubernetes lately. They read the blogs, they understand that it's an investment and it is. Um, And they also understand that in order to succeed in this investment, you have to hire, you know, good engineers that are able to architect this, this complex ecosystem. And there's frankly a shortage of folks that are expert level cloud native architects. They're, they're hard to capture. They're hard to find. Um, and there's a lot of small to medium sized businesses that, you know, only have, you know, two, three, uh, engineers working on their cloud teams. Um, and they're already, uh, overworked. They're already running virtual machines and Ansible and they've got Terraform over here and, well, we just do that part manually and we have a run book up here and um, and they 
we feel like by establishing a stack of a good starting point that embodies all of the major pillars of cloud native delivery, that being secrets management, user management, uh, infrastructure as code, and GitOps style application delivery. If you have those, you can do literally anything in cloud native. You can host every single application under the sun. It doesn't matter if you're building boxes for Chick-fil-A or rocket ships to take you to Mars. It will work because you have those things. But Kubernetes doesn't come with those things. So by building a platform that gives you everything stitched together immediately and then supplementing it with a community of users that have all agreed, hey, Maybe this isn't where I'll end, but this is where I'll start. And I want to I want to start on all the best open source, most popular technologies all working together. And if I want to deviate off the path, by all means, we 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 hope that you will. And we hope that you'll tell us about the story of you shifting it to Tecton or whatever. Um, but your director has needs. Your director wants value to come out of this Kubernetes investment and we're able to take this six-month journey and turn it down to like, you know, you'll be a hero by lunchtime. It's 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 ready to go. And so um, if you can just start there and be doing builds and delivering to prod, even if it's not the way you'll do it permanently, that gives a lot of value to your company. Um, and then you can start the analysis part. Then you can start deciding, well, you know, do we really want to use HashiCorp Vault? It's a fair conversation. I think the answer is yes, but it's a fair conversation. And you should have that debate and you should spend weeks on that debate and you should pick other tools and you should have a bake-off about which one's best, but do it while everything is working, right? So that your your director isn't just tapping his toe, staring at a stopwatch, wondering what's taken so long on this Kubernetes effort. Um, so, so we hope that we're able to give the cloud native community that um, and we do have a growing uh, community. We just hit uh, 150 people, you know, not not gaudy figures, but 150 people are in our um, Slack workspace that have all kind of agreed that like, yeah, these are this is the tech we're going to need. And if we have a question, uh, we're going to ask the community. And there's 150 engineers that are all using the same tools the same way, which is pretty powerful if you're a small shop. So um so yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to shift the landscape a little bit, um, just kind of have a, a easier starting point for companies to get value out of the Kubernetes investment that they're already making. Definitely. That's a definitely a pain point. And I think to a certain degree now, the fact that you can go to Google or Azure or whoever and get like a work cluster where at least you don't have to worry about the actual control plane working. Yeah is a nice first step, but what you're saying and all this glue that takes so much time and so much effort and often goes underappreciated is definitely a lot of value. So two questions to you then. First, what took you so long and why wasn't this ready five years ago? And secondly, how do people get started with it? How do they become person 151 in your community? I talk too much. Take it away, Jared. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Where do we start there? Uh, what took so long? Great question. Uh, it was only so many hours in the day, so we'll start there. We we were trying. We were going as fast as we can. I swear, it doesn't look like it, but but we did. Um, uh, the I, I'm sorry. Apologies. I need a refresher on the second part of that first one. But then, uh, John, John, go ahead. How, how do we get people so, involved? Um, yeah, I mean. Part. Yeah, uh, we we have open source um, contributors that contribute in all kinds of ways from, you know, uh, an upgrade to get a security patch into one of the tools, uh, all the way down to just like somebody, uh, you know, finding a typo in our docs. And they're, they're all equal contributions to the platform. We very much value uh, the contributions from the community. We have some groups of users that um, see the value in Kube first. And, you know, we kind of built Kube first to be this um, company on wheels that you can deploy to your cloud and, you know, you have all this immediate value. But to our surprise, there were a whole bunch of folks in our community that want uh, Kube first to be their home lab story. Um, and uh, so there's this budding community in our home labs channel of folks that are just like, 
Shout out to Mike Taylor. Um, there's there's these folks who are like actively working through the challenges of trying to get um, the Coopverse platform uh, available in home lab environments so that you can have you know um, Proxmox or um, we're also kind of in parallel uh, doing some uh, bare metal stories where maybe we would um, uh, implement Harvester in a very similar capacity. Um, but just kind of a, a bring your own cluster type of scenario for the Coopverse platform to be installed upon. Um, and it seems like there's uh, uh, some neat community uh, engagement in that regard. Um, but just going to slack.io, or, or I'm sorry, coopverse.io slash slack. Uh, that's the easiest way to drop in. Um, it, it, that'll uh, auto invite you to, to the channel. And we have a helping hands um, channel in that Slack workspace where even if you don't know what a pod is and you could just use an explanation, like it doesn't matter how simple the question is. It doesn't matter how complex the question is. We've seen it all and we're happy to help. We're, we're just trying to get people onboarding onto Kubernetes easier. So can I run it now on my Raspberry Pi? That's a great question. You can't run it on raspberry Pi yet, but we are working on that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know uh, what I'm interested in now. Another aspect that I think is kind of, I mean, I'm obviously biased. I love open source and, you know, with like the recent years and encouraging results with, you know, HashiCorp being like a billion dollar company and stuff. I'm actively on the lookout for like open source companies. What's your experience been? Um, is it just that it was like a natural choice because a lot of the stuff, including Kubernetes, is actually open source, so that was like the default state? Or did you make that choice, uh, you know, for any other reason? And what has the experience been so far? I can definitely take that one. So. Um... Cloud native engineers want experience in technologies that are uh, highly valued. Um, that that's a real state of cloud native right now. Um, there are major, major Fortune 500 cloud companies um, that uh, are running on Kubernetes. Um, that have an opinionated set of tools that they gravitate toward. Um, and the engineers in the, in the cloud native space understand that. We, we, we know that. We know that HashiCorp Vault is indeed a top-notch secrets manager, a little complex, uh, but very, very, very good from a lot of different measurements. Um, Argo CD. Uh, you're not going to find that many uh, uh, major, major, major shops that didn't at least consider Argo CD as their delivery pattern. Um, Terraform, HashiCorp's Terraform. Most major shops need IAC and Terraform is, the, the love it or hate it, it is the de facto standard. Um, so if all of the shops that have all of the money to pay high wages for cloud engineers um, are gravitating towards certain tech, then those popular best of breed technologies are valuable to the engineers at any shop, whether they're going to one of those shops or not. So in order to attract that talent, it's really valuable to bank on leveraging the best of breed tools so that you can attract the talent of the engineers that are using the technologies in order to embolden their, their resume and their experience and their ability to run enterprise-style shops. Um, so that's, um, that, that's one, of the, one of the advantages um, that, that Kubefirst brings is that you don't have to have like this entire team of engineers that are going to buckle down for a, a year. We were that team and we did it for four years and now we're giving it away for free. Um, so if you can just start from here and run on enterprise level patterns uh, on the best tools on the planet, whoever that great that great cloud native engineer is that you're hoping is going to say yes to your shop when they see the tools that you're 
banking on that you're trying to run your organization under, it's going to be more attractive than, you know, someone that's, you know, forgive me for saying so, but one of the, one, one of the cloud providers, uh, deployment tools or something like there's a, there's a hint of yuck, uh, about it, um, that cloud native engineers just don't want to touch. Like they, 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 they want their, their tools to be cloud native. They want everything staple. They want everything in YAML. They want a desired state. They want it pushed, uh, via GitOps. They want, um, everything to be well orchestrated and highly available, and redundant and available and portable so that you can move it to your local host or run in GCP or AWS or a smaller shop, a smaller cloud like Sivo or whatever it might be like that. That's what the cloud engineers want. And as um, maybe I shouldn't say so, but the the engineers are going to get what they want anyway. So I, you know, um, if you can expedite that six month process of getting all the tools set up the right way, why not start there? And especially if the end result is that you're going to have to do all that same thing anyway. So let's imagine that there's no coop first in the world. And for a lot of people, that's true. And that's terrible. And we should change that. Um, <laughs> but let, let's pretend for a second that there's no coop first. Um, and you had this uh, program that you've been working on in your basement for nights and weekends for the last two years. You finally got some seed round funding. Congratulations. We love it. Right. Um, now you have to take this idea that has a Git repository and it works on your laptop. And now you have to deliver it to the masses, dev stage prod, CICD. You're going to have to hire people. They're going to have different roles in your organization. You're going to need single sign-on. You're going to need infrastructure. You're going to need application delivery. You're going to need all these things. Um, if you didn't have Kube first, what are you going to do? You're going to start writing some infrastructure as code, obviously. You're going to put in a Git repository, obviously. Maybe you'll be granted enough of a timeline to automate it with something like Atlantis, if you're lucky. You're going to have to build out CI. You're going to have to write the scripts to do your builds. You're going to have to pick a technology. You're going to have to do all these different things. And at the end of the day, if you did it all right, it's still going to be in a Git repository and you're still going to lay out all the applications and their configurations in a GitOps-oriented way. And you're still going to have all your infrastructure as IAC that's in some files. And maybe you're lucky and you got to automate it. And you're going to have some secret source of, source of truth somewhere. So like, if, if Coop first ceased to exist, that story is exactly what we left you with. You're no worse for it. Um, we just gave it to you in a few minutes instead of a handful of months. So um so yeah, you know that's uh, that's that's kind of the story of our mission. That's that's you know we're we're basically just trying to build that next layer of open source where um, we can put all these tools together instead of making everybody do that same job over and over. Yeah, I can definitely relate to you know building trust through making right decisions and providing people with good tools. Now, as you were saying that in. An example that came to my mind is that I see behind you a vacuum cleaner. And it's not just a vacuum cleaner. I can see that you chose a model that actually empties itself. So you're only going to have to touch it once a week. So I immediately trust you more because you're making reasonable decisions. If that was, you know, a manual one, uh, we'd probably have to cut it short. But, you know, we keep going. Um, this guy is observant. I love it. I love it, Miko. <laughs> By the way, full great. disclaimer, I'm not associated with iRobot. Um, <laughs> just an investor. <laughs> just an investor. <laughs> you mentioned CubeShop, and I got to say that, you know, I kind of pride myself knowing quite a bit about Kubernetes in general, but I haven't come across a, a, um, an accelerator for Kubernetes, so... I'm very curious. Um, can you tell us more? You mentioned you've been acquired and you're part of it now. Um, I think we spoke a little bit earlier that there are six other projects. Would you like to do a quick, you know, landscape uh, pass? Yeah, uh, I guess I can. Uh, I can take this one. Um, so yeah, Coop Shop uh, is it's great, and that we have uh, five total projects right now. Uh, so did, right, did I count those right? Okay. Uh, plus yeah. Costco. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. So um, uh, sorry. Back to that. 
So um, through the, we, we got acquired and brought into under the umbrella about a year ago. Um, but what's neat is the, they, they basically come together and helped these projects. Uh, some are homegrown, some are outside projects like ours. Um, but what they do is they, they make it easier for these teams to be able to focus on their product uh, development and not necessarily have to worry so much about um, all the ins and outs of like trying to build a business, a company at the same time as building your product. So um, they have like a shared services model. So they have like a design team and they have a marketing team and they have um, DevRel and they have all these other branches, uh, payroll and, you know, all those important things that your your teammates and employees care about. Um, <laughs> they, they take care of all of those types of things for us so that we get that larger focus of time on the actual engineering, the product, the interaction with the community, um, all of those things that we want want to continue to do as an open source project. Uh, so um, I'll stop there and see where you want me to go with with a little more depth on um, their overall picture. And John, if I left anything out, feel free to throw it in. Do you yeah, have no. like, any other projects or are you more competing against them? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say we're competing. We all have very different... Um, functions, if you will. Uh, so like uh, BotCube is a chat ops uh, bot that's, I mean, we could install it on Kube first, but we, uh, and we have, we did a live stream a couple weeks ago, check it out. It's uh, on our YouTube channel, but um, there's, you know, there's a trace test, which is a little bit uh, more trace-based testing, a um, little more insight for like QA dev and ops teams. Uh, there's um, TestCube, which is a Kubernetes native test execution framework. Um, so you ha- it has a ton of different integrations with uh, Cypress and uh, JMeter and you know whole, blah 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 test framework test framework um, so you can you can do all these tests in a Kubernetes native way um, and uh, yeah so and there, there's good monocle I was just gonna add monocle to the list as well monocle is a um I I uh, Kubernetes YAML manifest uh, observability tool that helps you uh, build a uh, good safe uh, Kubernetes uh, YAML manifest for your for your applications yeah but so, yeah, so, so- the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was I was just going to say so the 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 five projects um you know be, because we have sort of different spaces and different angles sometimes we have opportunities to collaborate with each other we have like a, a show and tell every week where you know whatever it is that we've been working on we have an opportunity to like bounce our ideas and what we're thinking off of like you know it, it feels like you have like a CNCF survey in your pocket it's really nice there's all these Kubernetes engineers. And they're all just kind of locked in on on like you don't have to describe what YAML is to these guys, right? <laughs> and um, just being able to get that immediate feedback from all these uh, Kubernetes-oriented engineers has um, kind of been a, a, a really nice benefit of of being at Kubeshop specifically. They're uh, obviously very hyper focused on um, Kubernetes projects. They see the 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 direction that Kubernetes is headed that it's basically just swallowing swallowing the internet. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's it's been a great experience so far. We've had um, prob- just a little bit over a year with them now, um, and you know, I, I, I can't express enough how different it is going from a nights and weekends passion project that means that you're working until you know three four o'clock in the morning every day to having like a, a it, it as your day job. Not that we don't work until three and four in the morning every day. <laughs> But but that's an us problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, we uh, you know just just sort of having the uh, and, and having that um, foundation where we don't have to care about you know um, health insurance or, or payroll or you know all the all the intricate details of running a business. We get to stay technical founders and just kind of stay focused on the tech. So it's been really nice for us. Yeah, I think, uh, and to add one more thing to that, because like we, we we mentioned that we got acquired by Coopshop, but um, you know there there was a lot of decision making at that time for us too on what we were doing with our project, and it wasn't really that much before uh, we we found Coopshop that we decided we were going to open source the project anyways, um, and then you know we went and met with investors and a bunch of other stuff, and um, with Coopshop the nice thing was that uh, the, the the two guys who have started it um, come from a Parent com- uh, a previous company, SmartBear, where they built open source projects uh, and they did it in a way where they never disenfranchised the open source, even though they turned those projects into businesses. So like um, uh, SmartBear has like Swagger and Cucumber and, you know, other open source projects that a lot of yeah. people know, a lot of people use um, and 
they have always maintained that core open source. So that, that was really important to us as well as uh, when we initially discovered Coop Shop. And then obviously, as we mentioned, all worked out and got married about a year ago. So, <laughs> Okay, so that's good uh, retros- uh, retrospective. Uh, let's look a, a little bit more into the future now. So other than you know the obvious world domination and preventing baby seals from getting clubbed, what's next for Coop first? <laughs> Take it away, John. Good question. Yeah, this is hot off the press because we uh, actually just decided uh, two hours ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is hot. Yeah, that is hot. So um, we we had a hackathon project not very long ago, maybe uh, four or five weeks ago, uh, that um, our the the project that we just we didn't know if it had viability, uh, but we wanted to see how well we could do it. Um, we have this uh, concept that we're going to be introducing in our next release that we haven't even put on our roadmap yet. It's actually going to jump the line a little bit. Um, and it's this uh, GitOps marketplace. So like cloud marketplaces or any type of marketplace um, is a great story, right? Um, you have a Kubernetes cluster. Uh, you want to add a thing to it you can go boop and you can have the thing in your cluster. The problem is that like um, it's in an empty cluster and now you've just added it using kind of a click ops operation. Um, so you've lost it's, it as an asset in your GitOps ecosystem. So it's, it's a bad paradigm sort of to have a, a marketplace if you're trying to adopt GitOps. Um, but we believe that everyone concretely should be adopting GitOps. It is a great disaster recovery story. It's a great uh, asset management story. It's a great, uh, you're, you're basically taking a tried and true Git foundation and marrying it to uh, engine like Kubernetes that uh, it will <laughs> die trying to make your desired state the actual state. And you just put the two together. It's like the greatest architectural. Dis- both systems are completely distributed, portable, etc. Like there's, there's really not a lot of good reasons to say no to GitOps in 2023, at least, um, at least on Kubernetes. Um, and so, um, what we're going to be introducing next is this uh, GitOps catalog that works like a marketplace, except instead of installing it to your Kubernetes cluster, we're going to install it to your GitOps structure in your Git repository and allow Argo CD to be responsible for the delivery of that application to your ecosystem in an extensible way where you can overlay, you know, um, configurations and you can kind of take some base defaults for these marketplace tools. Um, but then you're allowed to expand on what you mean when you want to install Tekton, what you mean when you want to install one of these other um, products that aren't core products of the Coop First platform, but we want them to feel like they're core products of your version of the Coop First platform. So um, that's going to be our next release is this um, GitOps catalog. Uh, it's kind of like a marketplace, but it's it's bound to your Git repositories. Um, and then beyond that, we're going to finish the job that we set out on uh, with the 2.0. Um, we 2.0 was kind of a re-architecture that allows us to support multiple clouds. Uh, 2.1 that we released just a couple days ago um, introduces a new user interface to the Coop First platform. Um, and then uh, version, what was going to be 2.2, it's about to become 2.3. Um, 2.3 is going to introduce workload clusters to that Kubernetes management ecosystem. So um, we're going to deal with all the nasty details of uh, cluster life cycles and being able to provision a new workload cluster like a develop blue or a develop green, actually add the GitOps applications to those clusters. Um, eventually, we'll get into the business of uh, traffic switching and details like that. Um, and being able to spin up and tear those down is um, is all a part of our uh, mission. So um, that that's the the next quarter for us probably is uh, wrapping up with the GitOps catalog and um, all of the the nuanced work of trying to get uh, workload clusters to be a part of our story. Um, but we hope that uh, at the conclusion you're going to be able to run a simple little 
uh, Kubris install, you'll get this management cluster and you'll be presented with a new console screen that says, hey, we can create a whole multi-cluster platform for you. And you can just be like, yeah, I need a dev, I need a stage, I need a prod, I need a demo, I need a prod blue and green, I need one of them in this AZ, one of them uh, somewhere else, you know, uh, eventually we'll get into the business of multi-cloud and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's the direction we're headed. Um, obviously, we're startup and nimble, so things change as things develop a little bit for us, but um, that's that's what we're trying to stick to. That sounds like a plan. The last one I have for you is, uh, you know, you've got a little bit of a unique perspective uh, working so closely with people having pain points <laughs> around <laughs> Kubernetes. Where do you see Kubernetes itself and, you know, the broader ecosystem evolve? Like, where does it go from here? Like, you know, once it's dominated completely the scene, um, is there any, any more way up? Is it always downhill from now? What's your take? Yeah, it's a really good question. Do you have Do you have thoughts you want to jump in on, Jared? I've got one I could throw on the table. Um, throw it on. The, so with Kubernetes, one of the toughest um, problems that, that I see um, is the, and, and it's starting to shift, um, but there's a, a challenge of chicken and eggs with infrastructure and platforms um, where, you know, you, you, you need infrastructure as code in order to create clusters. You need automation in order to bootstrap clusters. That automation needs to live somewhere. That's probably in your Git repositories. Um, and uh, so many products are ignoring the infrastructure part because it's easy to. So um, it, if, if our story was bring your own cluster and good luck to you, um, there's, no, there's, there's, there's no statefulness of the infrastructure that your platform is running upon. And that's, that's not good enough. Um, you could alternatively have a infrastructure story um, that has to happen first, but then it's detached from your platform. Um, and then there's this muddiness in between the two that um, folks like Crossplane um, and Open Control Plane are trying to address where they're trying to say, you know, look, Kubernetes is extensible to anything. And, and it's true that it is. You can establish a CRD and you can make Kubernetes turn on your coffee pot if you need to. Um, but well, I, you're not doing that? Not yet. Not yet. But we haven't built a spaceship yet either. So um, so when, 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 you're, when you're trying to establish that Kubernetes can do anything, one of the biggest challenges is that of infrastructure as code and automating the infrastructure as code. And you naturally want Kubernetes to be able to manage your infrastructure as code, especially when you get into GitOps, because you see this magical ability of setting desired state and allowing an engine to work relentlessly to make it your actual state. And that's, that's a beautiful paradigm. Architecturally, you have a pull paradigm from a configuration standpoint. The system has to check in with your source instead of your source pushing to your downstream production. Like the whole thing is very elegant. Um, and Kubernetes is now with tools like Crossplane and with tools like Open Control Plane, they're able to actually build out infrastructure in Kubernetes. But then how do you, you have to be in Kubernetes first. And where'd you get the Kubernetes cluster? And why wasn't that in your infrastructure's code, which is part of the story later on? So something has to happen. We're trying to solve that problem. There's a whole bunch of people in the platform working group that are trying to solve the nuanced details of this problem. But there, there's a hole in between application and infrastructure in the Kubernetes space where that gap needs to be filled. Um, we're, we're trying to find the right recipe to fill it. I'm sure other folks are... Um, are trying as well. I know Fortune 500 companies are faced with these same problems and, you know, they have to be able to provision platforms for their dev teams from scratch also. Um, so everybody's kind of faced with these same challenges, these same 
nuanced chicken and egg uh, setups, but um, I, I would love to see Kubernetes evolve to be able to accommodate that sort of core chicken and egg problem. Like from an IAC standpoint, what I want out of the world is I want to be able to say, hey, uh, I would like a thing. Here's some YAML cloud. Give me an EKS cluster. And that YAML could go to the cloud. And then I have an EKS cluster. But instead of it being a script ops thing that I did, I want that to be bound immediately to my desired state. And if we can do that, we all win and we all have five and go home. Um, but that that's that's the missing piece of the Kubernetes story in my book. There we go. Jared, anything to I add? Got, I got nothing on that's top of that. That's a beautiful vision. Yeah, like yeah. I've got nothing either. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, let's just do that. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, somebody out there. We're waiting. <laughs> Faster, he says. <laughs> that's right. Tick, tock, tick. Time is money. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> All right. I think that's probably a really good note to end. Uh, like, you know, all good things, the tape on this podcast running out. Uh, for anybody who wants to reach out, did they reach out on LinkedIn? Did they reach out on Twitter? What's the best way to reach each of you? Um, yeah, the, the easiest way to find us, honestly, is coopfirst.io uh, slash Slack. If you land in there, you'll be uh, our, our um, principal, Deborah Alfred, will introduce himself, let you know how to find the channels, how to find us individually. Um, and we're easy to find in there. We're all over the place on all the channels. So just ask anything and we'll just pop out like it was a Batman symbol. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, seriously, like, no, there, there are no bad questions, even if you just feel completely in over your head on Kubernetes adoption. We were there too. That's why we built our project. That's why we endured and now have a company. Um, and we are literally here uh, to try and solve that problem for our users. So um, hop on in, coopersio slash Slack, and uh, we hope to see everybody there. Miko, it's been a great chance having an opportunity to talk to you on your podcast today. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Um, Likewise. Yeah, it's been really a great conversation. That's great hanging out with you. And for everybody, once again, I spoke to John Dietz, um, Rhymes with Beats, and Jared Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> see you. Thank you. We'll see you. Thank you.